The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Can you believe it is July 9th already? Yes, I know. As the older I get, the faster time goes. I think it happens that way for all of us. Good morning, everybody. I'll cross the ACN network and I'll call across the world when you listen to the podcast as well. This is In My Opinion. I'm your host, Marty McClendon. That's Marty McClendon. And uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're listening to the uh, rebroadcast over the podcast stations, thank you for tuning in as well. Um, the rest of you can find um, previous episodes and some of them have specific type topics or uh, items addressing like one single issue. Other shows are different. Try to keep a little variety here, but you can find them online at any of your podcasting sites, Anchor, iTunes, um, iHeartRadio. You can also have your smart speaker play as well. Um, this show or my show I do with Doug at 10 o'clock on these same stations. So once again, for, thanks for tuning in. As always, we try to honor the Lord first before we do anything else. I just have one scripture for you this morning. It's one of my friend's favorites. It's one of my favorites as well. I try to write these down and, and write them on my heart, if you will. But in these times, when we see so many things across the news um, that's constantly just being berated with negativeness, right? The Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. That's tough, right? It says, but in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And there's more, but this one is very important here. But in every situation, every circumstance, everything we're dealing with, not to be anxious or worry, but go to God in prayer, ask him for a specific um, tangible prayer, and then thanksgiving, that knowing that you already have what you asked for. Okay, that's, that's awesome. And the rest of the scripture verse, um, verse seven goes on to say, and the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Now, that's the amplified version, so it has the extra language there, the expands upon um, what the different meanings of the words are. But right there, when we stop being anxious, stop being worried, but in every circumstance, in every um, situation, we go to God in prayer, asking for specific um, solutions, if you will, answers to prayer, with thanksgiving, knowing we already have it, we receive the peace, the knowing, the reassurance of our heart and our mind, so we won't stress or be anxious. I just thought that was really good for this week, knowing that there's so much going on. And even this program, we talk about a lot of things that we need to be aware of, not to be afraid of, but aware of that's going on around us. And then we're supposed to take that to the Lord, ask the Lord for direction and protection and favor, and then take action to be obedient, to be bold, to step out and do something. Another thing that um, on the program is, you know, I'm in 
politics, been in the pulpit. Uh, I'm a real estate agent by, by trade. Um, I've promised you and many times talk about real estate. And oftentimes it gets so crowded out with the political happenings, the news cycle, if you will, every week. And it still will today as well. But I want to start off with a little bit more heavy in the real estate market. It's changing. There's a lot of concern now, too, because you had this super hot real estate market for the last couple of years. Uh, where prices are going through the roof, escalated offers, multiple buyers, they're waving every contingency under the sun. It's been an absolute seller's market. Basically, you put the the property on the market, and within the weekend, it's sold, and you have multiple offers, and you got more than your asking price. Well, things have changed. A lot of this policy decisions that have caused inflation, meaning overspending at the federal level, more money than we're taking in, which has caused a deficit, which reduces the value of your buying dollar. And then the uh, Federal Reserve response to that about raising interest rates has affected mortgage rates as well. So in the last like two or three months, we've gone from basically from February until July now, end of July or middle of July, just a few months, we went from 2.99 uh, interest rate for a mortgage, for a 30-year mortgage, to just under 6%. So just about double. And, and now 6% is still a great rate. But what you do when you double the rate and you have inflation, people's buying power gets decreased. So it changes the market. Even though there's still limited supply, there's still a pent-up demand for buyers to get into housing. But there's just not enough housing. In fact, I think the, the latest number was like we are 4 million homes short in the, in the U.S. for the people that need to buy a house or can buy a house, need housing, and we don't have it. So clearly we have other issues affecting value, pricing, and so forth. Um, but there is a shift that's turning toward less buyers can buy, so less buyers are in the market, which means the demand drops a little bit for those trying to sell. There is a scarcity or a fear for many buyers because of the of the rising inflation and how they're their 401ks are dropping and all, all the stock market, all the things that go into it. Um, so you have fewer people actually making offers. And so the sellers that are selling, um, their attitude and their expectations need to shift. So I say all that, but there's some numbers that came out just this week from a company I work for, Redfin. I thought I'd share with you so you can get an idea of what's going on. Uh, first of all, it says for the week of July 7th, which was just a, uh, this week we're in right now, the 30-year mortgage rates fell from 6 to 5.3, the largest one-week drop since 2008. We know what happened in 2008. That was when we had the mortgage crisis, where they were buying off or selling off and investing into mortgage-backed securities. Very dangerous. Uh, and it caused the crash in 2008. So this was down from 2022, a high of 5.81. This is nationwide numbers, by the way. But up from 3.11 at the start of the year. Now, once again, I said 2.99. Personally experienced that myself. Um, but we were in the twos and the threes early in the year. It says fewer people searched for homes for sale on Google. Searches during the week ended July 2nd were down 2% from the year before. 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. The seasonally adjusted Redfin Home Buyer Demand Index, a measure of requests for home tours, and other home buying services from Redfin agents was down 15% year over year during the week, this week. So 15% down on people that are actually wanting to go out and look at homes. That's a big drop in people that are actually actively looking. Touring activity as of July 3rd was down 14%. People actually making appointments. 
compared to 7% increase from last year. Mortgage purchase applications, people applying for a mortgage, were down 17% from this week from a year ago. And then uh, even seasonally adjusting, it was down 4% over the week. Key housing market takeaways for 400 400 plus major metropolitans. So all the major cities in the U.S. uh, across, they did these numbers. Listen to this. The median home sale price was up 13% over last year. Okay, so prices have still gone up uh, through the average of 396 nationwide. The growth rate is down from the peak of March of 16%. So we've seen the peak, and now it's going down the other way. Now, it doesn't mean it's gonna be, we're going to see major price drops, but we're going to see some. We're going to see, you'll see. The next stat we found this week was the median asking price of a newly listed home increased 15% over year, year over year, uh, to $399,973, but was down 2.1% from the all-time high set during the four-week period ending June 5th. So it's, once again, we hit a peak around June, and now in July we're seeing a softening, if you will. The monthly mortgage payment on the median asking price home hit $2342 at the current 5.3% mortgage rate, which is up 40% from a year ago. Mortgage at the median mortgage for a house in America is up 40% from a year ago. That's a lot. When, and of course, once again, you go from 2.9 to um, almost six, you're gonna see that. Pending home sales were down 13% year over year. So 13% less homes are under contract this year than they were last year. New listings of homes for sale were down 1.4%. So we have a little, fewer sellers on the market as well, but we have fewer pending homes. So we still have this, um, I guess, more supply, if you will. 45% of homes that went under contract had an accepted offer within two weeks on the market, which is down 49% from a year before. That's crazy. So a year before, within two weeks, you'd have over 90% of offers would have an offer on their property within two weeks. Now it's only 45% of homes, so less than half. of homes that went under contract had an accepted offer within one week of hitting the market, which is down 35% from a year earlier. Once again, cut in half. Homes that that sold were on the market for a median of 18 days. That's from a year earlier, slightly um, lower or higher than the record low of 15 days set in May. 52% of homes sold above list price, which is down 53% from a year before. So only about half the homes listed um, in the last month sold for more than the asking price versus almost all of them last year. On average, 7% of the homes for sale each week had a price drop, a record high as far back as the data goes through the beginning of 2015. And the average sale to list price ratio, which measured how how close homes are selling to their asking price, declined to 101.9. In other words, the average home sold for about 1.9% above its asking price. This was down from 102.2 earlier this year. And of course, last year, probably 10% above. So once again, prices are softening a little bit because of the market factors of the inflation, of the rising interest rates. And so I have one more thing that I, sh- I will share on my Facebook page. Go to Morning Show Marty on Facebook. You'll see it um, and you'll see this posted report. It talks about the buying power. So they took $2,500 a month for a mortgage or rent for that matter, but for a mortgage. And it said, if you have $2,500 to spend, 
Um, you've lost $118,000 in spending power based simply, simply on the increased interest rate. And I know it sounds very scary, but the bottom line is a home buyer on a $2,500 monthly budget has lost nearly $120,000 in spending power since the end of the year as mortgage rates have nearly doubled. So in the last six months, the, um, your $2,500 goes less far. So that buyer can now afford a home for $2,500 a month at an almost 6% interest rate of $399,750. However, uh, six months ago, they could have afforded $517,500 for the same mortgage amount of $2,500. So what it means is a buyer paying the same amount of money can buy less house now. I mean, it just, it really is. And then you add on top of that inflation, it makes, that's why buyers are getting a little bit like, ooh, maybe now. Now, prices are still going up. Numbers still show there's increase, but the increases are, are slower. We still need more housing demand. We still need more houses to be built, I should say. Last fact for you, and then I'll move on from this. Nationwide, 45.6% of homes for sale are affordable, meaning if you have $2,500 um, to spend a month, um, about 45% of the homes nationwide fall into that category that you can buy for $2,500 a month at 6%, um, which is interesting. And then it talks about where. And, of course, that's not in Washington necessarily. It's not in California. It's in places like uh, um, Pennsylvania, um, Tennessee. Um, and most of those where they're mostly affordable still are places where house values, a house um, was still way, way, way low. And I think that the highest I was looking at it too of affordability um, was Tennessee, I think it was. But I say all that, if you look at the numbers, it's common sense if you think about it. If you double the interest rate, uh, basically you lose half of the affordable homes in that price range. And they're talking about 2500 being affordable. So there's a little real estate for you for the shows that I'm kind of making up for other shows. Um, it's still, if you're listing and selling, you can still sell your house. Just set your expectations. You might have to give concessions. You may not sell for um, above asking price now. You may be close. For buyers, it's great news. Yes, the interest rate's higher. Yes, you have less buying power. But um, there's going to be fewer buyers to comp- compete against. Um, prices may not, you know, may not have to go way over asking price. You may get an inspection contingency built into your offer. Meet with a good realtor. They'll be able to guide you in your local market. But I thought this was interesting to see the shift and how much the political influence has on the cost. Everything's more expensive now. Our, our meat's up, our gas is up. We all feel it every day. But the largest purchase most people will make in their home over a 30-year period for most people just got a lot more expensive um, and that's not counting inflation. So you think about that as well. So still a great investment. There's no other investment out there that I know of that will outpace, if you will, inflation, or at least keep up with it, um, like real estate does. And still 80%, even in the tech age, 80% of millionaires generated their millions through real estate. So investments, if you will. <clears throat> okay, going to politics now. The political scene, there's a lot of stories, of course, Many of the stories you're not going to hear about because they're not on mainstream media. Um, there's only so many things that uh, a show like mine, a half-hour show, can talk about. But I want to bring up some of the stories that you need to know about, but also some of the stories you may not hear anywhere else. One of the stories I saw on Axiom News and across um, some of the conservative stations is 
476 migrant getaways recorded in 2022. So these are ones that they identified their illegal aliens coming across the border that they were trying to apprehend and they got away. So almost 500,000, so 476,000 migrant getaways. That is crazy. And of course, they're trying to, uh, um, the Biden administration is going out for the border patrol, trying to uh, prosecute those that were the fake whipping story. Um, it is um, beyond time to put a fix to this. And of course, I think that's really a good time that both Texas, um, well, first of all, before that, um, a, a related story says crimes committed by illegal immigrants surged in 2021 after declining in previous years, previous years when Trump was in office. The number of crimes committed by illegal immigrants in the United States surged this in 2021. Uh, and it goes on to talk about uh, 1,178 assaults and domestic violence, a 400% increase in uh, violent crimes. Uh, it goes on to talk about uh, illegal 1,600 uh, cases of illegal possession, uh, which is a 453% increase. Um, there's uh, obviously rape, um, crime, theft, um, and so on and so on. They, they break it down by numbers. Just know that there's been a massive surge for most of these numbers are anywhere from 300% to 400% to 450% increase on every category of crime being committed by illegal immigrants. And then you have that previous story where, but obviously there's a, how many of them have got away so far? 476,000. So we know that numbers are all over the place, approximately two point some million illegal aliens have come across the border last year, this last year, 476,000 have gotten away. 500 400 to 500% increase in crime related to illegal immigration. And then you have an administration that won't even go to the border. So it's, it's a huge issue. And so I bring that up because both two states, both Texas and Arizona, are doing something about it. Just this week, uh, Governor Abbott out of Texas uh, did an executive order and ordered the um, National Guard to help out the Border Patrol to return illegal immigrants back across the border, basically help them police that to cut down on human trafficking, the drug trafficking, and so bit. And they're using um, 1,100, I think it is, it, I may not be exact there, but they're these wall panels that were uh, funded by the federal government through the Trump administration and then not used, put a stop to when Biden got in office. Well, Governor Abbott said, I'm going to use these panels and build a wall along the Texas border. These are the sections they can with the existing uh, materials. Well, lo and behold, uh, the day later, Arizona is doing something similar. They're going to send National Guard. They're going to start uh, enforcing and protecting and helping out the Border Patrol along the Arizona border. There's been uh, a human travesty. A human, uh, when people are dying in that uh, semi from San Antonio, that like uh, the full of people, illegal immigrants that died of suffocation and heat stroke. Then you have um, uh, women and children being uh, trafficked across the border, uh, people being raped on a regular basis. This has to be dealt with. And I'm thankful that we have governors along the southern border. Now, I'm not talking about California, but California seems like to be an open door. And yes, they can still come through California if they don't come through Arizona and Texas. Um, but that will be an immediate issue there. And of course, we know in the past that the Biden administration has basically taken them and then flown them into other states conservative states and so forth. Well, it's still an issue, but from a political standpoint, we have the primaries coming up here on August 2nd 
So you should have a ballot in the mail very, very soon. If not this weekend, it'll be next weekend. If you're a veteran or an active military, you already have your ballot. Um, you get to choose who gets to be in the general. So all these primaries have multiple candidates. Make sure you're supporting your candidate. Make sure you're getting out the vote. Make sure we're showing up in the primary and hopefully knocking out some of these incumbents as well. Um, crazy, 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 crazy stuff. Um, but there are, you know, this is stuff to be aware of. And, of course, we saw in the news that you probably saw this one, though, that um, uh, over in Europe, Boris Johnson is stepping down. He was supposed to be the Europe or uh, England's version of Trump, uh, but he's stepping down and stepping out of office. Uh, um, obviously, we're not getting involved in European politics, but it's something to be aware of. It's a power shift, if you will. And, of course, the assassination of the former prime minister of Japan is kind of just um, – I know it's part of the news story, but it, it it's shocking that someone of that uh, authority, it'd be like a former president. So it'd be like Obama, it'd be like uh, Clinton, it'd be like uh, Bill Clinton, by the way, um, or George W. Bush, if someone assassinated them. It would be a big deal. We have Secret Service for a reason. How does someone get that close to someone like that um, to assassinate them during a speech? I just, uh, it is mind-boggling, to say the least. And I brought up a story on, uh, well, I am bringing up a story today on Doug and Marty versus the world heard at 10 o'clock, but uh, it's, it really hit me. We've talked a lot about, we've seen stories about these 18 different food processing plants that uh, all came under like explosion, fire, things happen. It's just very, I wouldn't say coincidental. It's very interesting when they all happen around the same time. Within a short span of time, um, these food processing plants. Well, Christy Nome was on Eric Bowling. It's a show called Turning Point uh, or Boiling Point, Boiling Point. Anyway, uh, Eric Bowling, he's, he's a libertarian type speaker. And Christy Nome is the governor of South Dakota. There's a lot of speculation that she may run for president or uh, be a VP pick like Ron DeSantis. I'm a big fan of both governors, by the way. Ron DeSantis in Florida is doing great things. Christy Nome in South Dakota has been doing great things for a long time. Um, for South, South Dakota is a small state. Um, but South Dakota was never locked anybody down, never shut businesses down, didn't put these crazy COVID restrictions on the people, and they're thriving. Their economy, the people, they're thriving. So she's done great things for that state, but she was on the show, and she was talking about the food supply and the farm thing. So we, I've talked about this before, not alarming things, but I grew up in eastern Washington. I grew up on ranching and, and feedlots, and my grandpa was a farmer in Colorado. So not an expert, but I'm, I know enough that, you know, you need seed, you need urea, you need to be able to have land. You can't always count on um, the produce being out there. But, you know, and, and some of our farmers, especially our wheat farmers in East Washington, have done well for a long time. All that said, she said something that struck me. It said, our food supply is a national security interest, meaning whoever controls our food supply, therefore controls us. And she's right. And, and it struck me when I talked to Doug about this too, is we, we've done so much over the last 20 years of offshoring, if you will, uh, every piece. Like during our nuclear warheads, China has the piece we need for them to be active. We have uh, Ukraine uh, manufactures most of the urea, which goes into fertilizer for most of the farmers worldwide. Um, when we have, um, we couldn't get cars, but some of the electronic parts come from China. We've got to bring those back to American soil. But when it comes down to our food, the fact that, you know, so much is being bought up by single people with different interests, 
Uh, she was talking about how Bill Gates bought um, more land in South Dakota. He went to court and, and won that he has the right to do so. And, of course, he does. You know, you're a billionaire. You buy whatever you want to buy, I suppose. But he's the single largest landowner, farm landowner in America. Now, he's not a part of a corporation, just him personally. Um, and he's not farming on this land, which is kind of interesting. George Soros is a major landowner. He's not a U.S. citizen. George Soros obviously has many invested interests in the nation that, that are nefarious at best. But you have the Chinese government as be a major farmland owner in America. And she was talking about how they own several meatpacking and food processing plants in South Dakota. The Chinese government does. Now, through Chinese companies, basically, are, are, are controlled by the Chinese government. And she said it's really hard to work with them because they don't have the same values. They don't live here among the people. And she goes, it, it, it causes problems because a lot of that pork that the, 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 the Chinese own and a lot of the food doesn't stay here. It goes back to China. And so you have um, fields not being worked um, through people like uh, Soros and Gates buying them up and not using them for farming. So you have diminished supply, right? Uh, and I know our farmers do a great job of, of farming and producing great harvests and so forth. But, and then you have a supply chain issue where some of the things we need to actually plant seed, to actually fertilize, to actually grow things come from other countries that are under facing a war right now. Make sure you go, okay. And then you have all these processing plants being shut down. Then you have like Bill Gates pushing, uh, pushing this fake meat, this uh, bioengineered meat, if you will. Uh, it makes you, okay. We've got to take it into what she said. I mean, all this to say, not to scare you, it's just that we have to see things as a um, security issue. Our food supply, our food chain is a security issue, just like our borders are a security issue, just like our military is a security issue. Now, one of the only things government is actually there for, besides protecting our rights, is to protect us from enemies, foreign and domestic. The idea is from attacks from without and from within. And when we don't have a stable food supply, a stable water supply, a stable power supply, a stable borders, immigration policy, we don't have a stable country. And then we are subject to being controlled by the markets, by other nations, by those that actually do own it. So those that are elected in this election cycle need to look at this and take this very seriously. Not only the, the electoral the electoral grid, sorry, but look at who's being able to buy this farmland, what's being done with it, and what's the diminishing supply. And maybe if you're a foreign country or a foreign company that works that's directed by a foreign country, you shouldn't be allowed to buy certain basic national security investments. Like uh, during the Clinton, uh, when she was uh, Secretary of State, when we sold off our uranium supplies through a Russian company, um, some of our uranium for our nuclear warheads uh, to Russia. That seems like counterintuitive. Russia's been our enemy for a long, long time. Uh, China, Iran, uh, the Middle East, and so forth. Some, something to be aware of, not to be fearful of. Remember at the very beginning, we're not fearful, we're not anxious, we go to God in prayer, but we get engaged. We have an opportunity this, in the next couple of weeks, when you get your ballot, is to call these candidates up, see these candidates up, and make sure that we get candidates that will protect our constitution that will defend our values that we want to go through to the general and i also mentioned this on the other show too was which um it this is did make the news but it went away really fast i think it's because it doesn't look good 
We need to have accountability at every level. Not only do we need to have um, Maxwell's and Epstein's uh, list of pedophilia um, purveyors, those that participated in uh, Epstein's Island and so forth on this plane, um, that we need to know. Secondly, though, is we saw this week that Biden, the Biden administration, Joe Biden, signed off on a one million barrel sale of the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserves to a Chinese-owned company linked to his son, Hunter Biden. So it's almost like a, you can't do anything about it. It's like thumbing his nose at the American people. That's why he's so unpopular right now. But you think about this. We, our gas prices are high. They've released, released some of the emergency supply a, a few weeks ago to drive up the price of gas by 18 cents, which does nothing to it. But we have an emergency or uh, a... Um, supply, basically, uh, a strategic reserve, a strategic petroleum reserve in case there's an emergency, in case there's something that goes on where we don't have access to other oil. Well, he's been, the Biden administration shut down leases, shut down offshore um, oil drilling, all ways to drive the price of gas up and make us more dependent on Russia and China and Iran and the Middle East as well and OPEC. And they're at maximum capacity. We talked about this on a previous show. I want to say this, though, is when he sells some of this strategic reserves to the Chinese government, Chinese company, who is always controlled by Chinese that where his son is tied to and has ties to, we need to hold them accountable and, and investigate this. That's all I got for today. Um, this is In My Opinion. I'm your host, Marty McClendon. I'll talk to you next week. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's no